I'm Carmen. And I'm Joanna. And welcome to Live, Laugh, Murder. You can sing it. <laughs> Is this like a new you? 2023? New year, new me. Live, Laugh, Murder. Um, Aldi had a sign that said New Year, same me. That's exactly how I feel. I'm not changing who I am. <laughs> no, I'm happy with who I am. Yeah. I just want to get better. Joanna, how are you today? Doing well. How are you? I missed you. I missed you too. It's been a long time. We haven't recorded in three weeks. We haven't seen each other in three I weeks. Know. You've been off on vacation, yes. on holiday. Holiday. For Christmas. Yes. And now it's a new year. It's a new year. How was your New Year's? Very relaxing. Yeah. Brett's, what, Brett was sick, so he went to bed at 9.30 and I watched mm. X-Men. Yeah, we were in bed by like 9, 9.30. Yeah. Plus we had to leave the next morning for to drive back, so... That's true. Ten hours. Ten hours. I couldn't sleep because of the fireworks. I get very antsy. Mm-hmm. So I was up watching X-Men movies till like 2 a.m. Oh, my gosh. I know. Did you at least watch the ball drop or no? No. I was watching, you know, Wolverine run around with his claws. It's my new obsession. <laughs> okay. Welcome to Live, Laugh, Murder, where we tell stories that are not always true. We are true crime sometimes. So today I have a story for you, Joanna. And for our listeners, and you will have to determine if it is the plot of a horror movie or the facts of a true crime case. Yeah. Because the last one was the Krampus. What was Mm -hmm. one before that? The Russian sleep experiment. That was a good one. That was nasty. It was. It was so gross. Before we begin, I want to say thank you to our patrons for supporting us. And today, our episode is dedicated to Kayla. Kayla is part of our Live, Laugh, Manslaughter tier on Patreon. And she's also the host of her own podcast called Dark Tales from the Road. So feel free to check her out. We love you, Kayla. Thank you for supporting us. And this episode is dedicated to you. Oh, how awesome. What do you got for me as far as our Florida man? Yep, I had to do my own research. I know the holidays, people are kind of slacking, and that's totally okay. Mm-hmm. Tough. It's a tough job. It is. This story is from uh, Newport Ritchie. I have, my aunt lived there Okay. for a little bit. I wonder if she knows this guy. Mm. Do you want the title, the headline, or do you want me to read the story? I'll do what feels good in your gut. <laughs> what do you want to do? I, oh, I know. I'm going to read it, and then I want you to tell me what you think the headline would be. All right. I like that idea. Okay. A Newport Ritchie man was arrested on a felony charge Saturday after authorities said he threw a hot dog <laughs> at an officer who was warning him of violating a city ordinance. Wait, a felony charge? Felony charge. You can't throw stuff at a police officer. Uh-huh. Especially hot dogs. Right. No wieners. No. <laughs> Keep your wieners to yourself. <laughs> Officer said Jason Stoll, 47, of Newport Ritchie, ignored the warnings and continued to sell hot dogs in a roadway Saturday around 12 a.m. after his street closure permit ended. Mm. Have you ever been out at a bar, mm-hmm. you walk out, it's 2 a.m. and they're selling hot dogs? Yeah, and it's the best day of your life. Best, best meal of your life. Exactly. Stoll was asked to put the hot dog down, but authorities said he continued to attempt to sell it. Sell it. Drop the hot hot dog. dog. The hot dog. So it sounds like he's a vendor, right? And he was in the middle of selling a single hot dog to someone. Put the hot dog down. It is 1201. Your permit has ended. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um... 
Estol then became extremely upset before he intentionally threw the hot dog at the officer, document said. The officer was in a full police uniform at the time of the incident. Estol was charged with battery. Oh my god. On a law enforcement officer and resisting an officer without violence. Well, yeah. Wait, wait. This is the best part. If convicted, he could spend up to a minimum of, what do you think? Well, it's a felony. Six years. Three Oh, gosh. For throwing a single hot dog. Imagine him in prison, and the guys are like, what are you in for? (laughs) Murdered. Yeah. No, what are you in for? I stabbed my girlfriend. What are you in for? Grand Theft Auto. What are you in for? I threw a hot dog at a cop. A single hot dog. (laughs) How embarrassing. Okay, so is the headline? Yeah. You know um, those headlines. Florida man throws hot dog, gets arrested. Pretty much. Charged for throwing hot dog at St. Pete officer. All right, so... That's, uh, don't go throwing hot dogs at cops. Keep your wieners to yourself. Mm-hmm. And life is good. Yeah, so you don't spend three years, a minimum of three years. There's no way he got charged for that. Could you imagine? Like, you would just think, like, community service. But a felony. Now you have a felony. And then when you go to apply for a job, well, what's your felony for? I'm picturing this whole scene in my head because wh- he got arrested for this. I could just picture the cop getting slammed in the face with this, like, <laughs> loopy wiener. And it, like, slow motion. Slow motion. And he gets pissed. He's like, that's it. You're going to jail. <laughs> All right. Well, today's okay. story was suggested to us by Amanda from on Instagram. Mm. She slid into our DMs and said, you got to check this out. I'm excited. I have heard of this quote story, mm-hmm. which as our listeners know is my default word. Do you want to tell why? Well, cause it could be real or it could be fake. Right. So I've like trained my brain to use this yeah. word story mm-hmm. every time. I've kind of heard of this story, but I never... To not give anything away, I'll say dove right in. I dove right in and wow. Oh my gosh. This one, this one got me. So we're going to just go. Are you ready? ready? All right, Amanda, I hope you enjoy this uh, rendition. Rendition? I was going to say that. Were you? Yeah. We're the same person. I know. So same. All right. Before I begin my story, I want to give, and Joanna, you kind of reminded me of this when I did, not Krampus, but the one before where we no longer want to be freed episode, you said you should give a trigger warning. And I'm really bad about that. Mm -hmm. So trigger warning. And this one is more intense. Trigger warning for sexual abuse and mutilation. So this one's tough. Grab your coffee. Grab your wine. Grab your emotional support. Whatever you need. Take a Xanax. Take (laughs) whatever you need and just listen on. Listen on through. If it's not your thing, catch us next time. But Joanna, you're stuck with me. (laughs) I have no choice. So if you have to suffer, if I have to suffer, you have to you suffer have to, with yeah, me. That's a good one. All right. Today, we're going to dive right in. I am going to tell you the story of a young girl growing up in Las Vegas during the 1970s. 1970s. The time, I've been into the 70s mm-hmm. lately. The time of no cell phones, free spirits, and hitchhiking rides with strangers. I hitchhiked once in Gainesville. Yeah, we talked about this on a previous episode, and I questioned you about it, and I judged you, but then I revealed that I did too. <laughs> in South Beach. You're a terrible person. I know. I 2023. <laughs> this is the new me. All right. Uh, her name is Mary, and she is 15 years old at the time. What were you doing, Joanna, at 15? I was in high school, As running. We were. Depending on the season, I was either running or playing volleyball. Just keeping to myself. So you did sports, and that kept you out of trouble, you think? Uh-huh. That's my plan for my daughters. Because well, I was good at it, which I think makes a difference, and then I wanted to be really successful, and yeah. I didn't want to get in trouble. 
because I didn't want to have that taken away from me. That's a really actually smart mindset. But 15 in Las Vegas. Yeah. That might be a There's some influences. Story. Mary's home life is what one might call troubled. She had a difficult little upbringing there. She lives in a military family, so there has been a lot of moving around. Mary skips school sometimes and is generally kind of unhappy at home, sadly. So as a result, she does what one would do at this time and in these circumstances. She decides to run away. Mary wants to go off and travel to California. There's a boyfriend out there. There is some family out there. And how is she going to get there? Hitchhiking. Hitchhiking. So during this trip, over time, Mary's on the road, she's hitchhiking, she's sleeping wherever she can, and she honestly, she gets very tired, very run down, and really just homesick. Yeah. It's like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I'm going to turn, like this, I've, I'm done. I mean, like, kids who run away, they don't have a plan. They just think, I'm going to run away, and mm-hmm. then they realize, oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah, you just kind of dive in without yeah. looking. What is it? Dive into the deep end, or jump without, isn't there a phrase? Jump without I don't know. We're really terrible today. Oh my God. She realizes. <laughs> Thanks for the support. You're welcome. She realizes that this is not going to be the way she planned, and she just wants to go back home to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. She has already made it out to California. She's there, but is ready to pack it all up and turn around. So a day in early fall. So I'd like to tell you kind of the time period if I can so you can picture it. Mary finds herself standing on the side of the road. She's holding a sign of where she wants to go, and she's standing among a few other hitchhikers doing the same thing. Interesting. They kind of gather together, and I just can't get out of my head. You know those 70s -hmm. movies where it's like a hazy yellow-orange glow and hippies and Mm -hmm. like the shirts with the beads? Yep. And I just picture them standing there just, you know, whatever. The glasses. The glasses, right? Oh, it's such a vibe. Such a vibe. As the kids say. Um, The others she is standing with are also going kind of in the same general direction and their signs state that. And, you know, the group of people, their bags, their signs, hoping to get wherever they're trying to go. Finally, finally, a vehicle pulls over to offer a ride. We see a blue van being driven by a pot-bellied older man wearing overalls as the driver. Mary and the other hitchhikers can see in the van through the windows and notice there's not much in it in the back. In fact, there is plenty of empty space in this van, and he could probably offer all of them a ride if he wanted to. However, he states he only has room for one, and he points to Mary. I only have room for you. That's red flag number one. He tells her he's heading to Reno, but he can give her a ride to Los Angeles, so she'd be heading in the general direction, you know, drop her off, and she's still getting to where she wants to go. The other hitchhikers that, that have been hanging out with her, they're immediately put off by this. And they kind of think it's weird. He has all this space. Why is he only giving you a ride? Why would he just take the young female and no one else? And they really do. They say to her, like, you know, dude, like, I don't know about this. Since he's like a grandfather type, though, Mary feels like it's not a big deal. And she is just spent. She's exhausted. Mm-hmm. She's been on the road traveling. And she she just wants to friggin' get back home. So she's desperate, actually. And she just goes for it. She ignores the red flags, gathers her belongings, and hops in. Says peace to the others. And she's on her way. And that right there is where we know things kind of Mm -hmm. are going to go downhill. Yeah. Yeah. The drive starts out quite normal, like pretty uneventful. Wait, is she in the front or the back? Front seat with him. There's no seats in the back. It's one of those vans. I felt like the hippies just kind of sat in the back like they just piled on him. They make, the the ride starts out uneventful. They make chit chat 
And our driver, who is named Larry, mm-hmm. says he himself has a daughter back home who's 15, just like Mary. And he tells her, I have a daughter that reminds me of you. Mm. And she's, you know, a little, com- you know, it makes her kind of comfortable, like, all right, whatever. Mary is so tired and exhausted that while on the drive, she drifts and falls asleep for a little while. When she wakes up, I keep looking at you. I'm sorry. I don't know why. I, you do. But when you tell me stories, you do the same I thing. Do. And I'm looking out into like your backyard right now. I know. Focusing you, on the story. When you tell me stories, I look off too into the yeah. distance. Anyway, when she wakes up from her nap, she takes a moment to take in her surroundings. She looks around and starts paying attention to the street signs, which people used to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't really do that anymore with GPS. What she sees is that they have traveled east and not south like she wanted. How does she know that? Because the street signs. She knows the towns, the big street. You can read. Okay. She could, you know. Okay. Like I'm saying, back then when I was 15, I could make my way, tell a friend yeah. who's picking me up and who had a car, True. go this way, go this way, this. You paid attention to stuff back. And she realizes that they are not even close to where they were supposed to be. So she confronts him. She tells him she sees they're going in the wrong direction and she's not shy about it. Mary is very upfront and is just shy of saying, what the fuck, dude? Larry tells her he's an honest man and he made an honest mistake. Whoopsie. Oh, oopsie. I'm so, I wasn't paying attention. So in an effort to kind of regather themselves, Larry says he needs to pull over to use the bathroom. Mm. Fine. I mean, what can she do about it at this point? You know what I mean? They're clearly in a deserted area. With no one around. In the 70s in California, there were these huge landscapes of nothing. Mary's smart. She's not dumb. She's aware of her surroundings and she's aware of her safety. When Larry gets out of the van, she realizes this is all too strange and she feels it deep down. Good. So she takes a minute and looks down at her tennis shoes, noticing that one is untied. Mary has this very clear thought. She thinks, I'm young. I'm strong, Mm -hmm. and if this fucker tries to mess with me, I can outrun him in a heartbeat. So she is already having the forethought. She knows she can take off on this old fat man, according to her, if she has to. Like, she can outrun him. So she gets out of the van to tie her shoe because she noticed one was untied. She's preparing herself because she's feeling like, I got to get out of here. This situation's not okay. Gearing her up in case she needs to make a run for it. When Mary bends down to tie her shoe, Uh before she can... I just got a little nervous, so I, like, fumbled my words. Before she can stand up, she is slammed with a sledgehammer in the head and immediately passes out. When Mary comes to, and this is where it's going to get a little rough, she realizes she's completely naked, (gasps) tied up in the back of Larry's van. He begins raping her over and over again. All she can do is beg and ask, why are you doing this to me? Larry gives no response. Dirty old man. Yeah. Mary tries screaming and just hopes upon hope that someone somewhere will hear her and come to her aid. She receives no such luck. Mary is raped about six to eight times in this van, and all she can think is how badly it hurts. At one point, Larry falls asleep in the van. She's still tied up. And as much as she tries, she just can't get her bindings off of her. She just wants to die. And this is literal hell at this point. This is hard to talk about. Mm -hmm. It's very uncomfortable. At this point, Mary can't handle it anymore. She just continues to ask to be set free over and over again. She even says at one point, set me free and I won't tell. Begging. Yeah. During this ordeal, Mary passes out several times. As she's been hit in the head, 
with a mm-hmm. fucking hammer. And this torture will continue on through the night. Mm. Finally, after Larry has had enough, he tells Mary, you want to be set free? I'll set you free. He goes out. He goes on to do the unthinkable. Mm. Larry goes to the toolbox he has in his blue van. She's now outside. He's pulled her out of the van. And he gets a hatchet. He drags a tied-up Mary outside of the van and holds her upright so she's standing. Larry then proceeds to grab her left arm and swing with the hatchet. You okay? No. I know. Out of pure panic, Mary is grabbing and holding onto him with her hands. Mary can't compute what is happening. She does realize suddenly that she's starting to fall over. How can she fall down if she's holding on to Larry's arms so tightly? Oh. It doesn't make sense in the moment. She looks down in her confusion to see that he has chopped off her left (gasps) arm just below the elbow. What? All she sees when she looks down is hot blood flowing from her arm. Mary is mentally in shock at this point, but not physically. She feels everything. All the pain, sharpness, awareness. She's fighting for her life against this monster, Mm -hmm. screaming and hoping with everything she has in her that someone somewhere will hear her cries. No one hears her. No one comes. Of course. Larry then goes on to severing her right arm. And while doing this, we see Larry twisting and shaking his own arm. Like, what is wrong with him? Like, if there's a bee about to sting him, kind of like flicking around, it's not a bee. Mary's other arm that has been severed was she had grabbed him so tightly with her hand that mm-hmm. the muscles contracted and his her other arm was still attached to what? him and he was jerking to flick it off of his body what? and she yeah 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 next Larry drags and he has severed both arms at this point oh next Larry drags her armless limp presumably dead yeah Drags her body, believing she's dying at this point, or probably thinks she's already dead. You bleed out, no? She Right. She's lying so still and just letting the world spin around her. Larry drags her body and kind of just shoves her down a 30-foot cliff nearby, and he takes off, thinking she will die there and he can go on with his life. Done. Reactions, thoughts, prayers? That's terrible. It's ter- It's unthinkable. While he's driving away, Mary is laying with her body, now in shock. Broken ribs, a concussion, and bleeding to death. I have so many more details I'm going to give you, Joanna. But this is where I want to stop and say true crime or movie. So soon? Mm-hmm, I know. So soon. I mean, I'm going to say true. What makes you say that? I've been asking you that lately. Because it's just... Like the other, like that one story. What was the one story you told me that it was true? Because it was just so insane. Oh, it was the A.J. Holmes one. Yeah, yeah. It's like it was just so un. It seemed so fake that it has to. That be it real. had to be real. So I'm gonna kind of stick with that. Okay. This is true. <gasps> I know. No. I know. I it's also so, don't want it. To, <sighs> of course, nobody wants this to be true. Like what? Okay, I need to know so many things. Like, was this his first kill? Mm-hmm. And why did he do it? Well, are you ready? Yeah. I'm gonna tell you a lot. Um, this is the real life survival story of survival. Yes, 
of Mary Vincent. Dang. Yeah. Now, doesn't that make you feel like somewhat in your heart like, thank God. I know. Like, you always tell me ones where people are killed or yeah, murdered. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, but still, live, now laugh, you're murder. armless. Now you're, what is she? Ha- is she still alive? I'm going to tell you. Okay. The reason I cut it so short is because she's still alive. Yes. Oh! And I want to honor her and this amazing woman. And I want to tell her story with everyone knowing that it is true. Oh my. What happened okay. to I, And you tell me what happens gonna, to him? Yes. You okay. ready? All right. Let's go. I hope go. he dies a terrible. <laughs> but he did a terrible, terrible thing. Yeah. People who do terrible things deserve to have terrible things happen to and them. And isn't it just such a cathartic feeling when they do suffer yes. natural consequences mm-hmm. like, fuck off while he is all right i'm gonna keep going okay please mary vincent we respect you highly i respect you highly i've been very impressed with your story the more i dug into it and i want to tell your story Dang. with respect and i hope that others who know her story will feel that i've done her justice i need to know why he chose just her let's just keep going while larry's driving away Mary's laying with her body, now in shock. So to continue from where we left off, this horrifying event all began September 29th, 1978. The piece of garbage who did this to her is a man named Lawrence Singleton, who went by Larry. A 51-year-old former Marine who at the time had just been divorced from his second wife. Okay. Why the reaction? Well, the military. Like, I feel like when she's like, oh, I could outrun him. Probably not. Well, well, pop belly, a little older. But, I mean, those things don't go away. Being in the military. You think that's deep ingrained in you? Yeah. Larry is gone now at this point, and Mary's lying on the ground. So this is what I want you to picture. She's tired. She's cold. And all she wants to do is go to sleep. As we know, if she goes to sleep, she most likely will not wake up. And she knew this too at the time. She felt like she was hearing a voice in her head almost telling her, I can die here or I can stop him from doing this to someone else. And that's a quote from Mary herself. (sighs) I mean, come on. 15 years old? You're armless uh, at, the at the bottom? State she's in? At the bottom of a, you said he threw her over a cliff? Yeah, like an embankment. She feels like she's got to fight to save other girls. Wow. She had that wherewithal. And this is all the motivation she needed because she has spoken out a lot. And she said that she felt like he's going to do this to mm-hmm. someone else if I don't stop him. Yeah, I wonder if she was the first is she the first victim. This extreme? Yeah, that we know of. Okay. So. And this is the mo- all the motivations she needs to get up. She just couldn't let him do this to someone else. So this is a quote from Mary Vincent herself, quote, quote, quote. I should have broken bones. I should have bled to death and I didn't and I never passed out. I remember everything. I wanted to go to sleep, but I felt someone there with me, a presence who wanted me to survive. A voice told me to get up and get help or someone else would die. Wow. While she was there in the woods. Well, what's the next step here? I mean, what do you... She's got to get up and go somewhere. She's got to get up and go. Mary had the okay. wherewithal. Go ahead. How do, like, how do you stop the bleeding? Well, let's go. Okay. My very next thought, that okay. my very next note is she had the wherewithal to realize... Well, I'm going to get there in a second. Okay. That she heard cars in the distance. Okay. So she knew that she must be within walking distance of a road. She also could see that she was losing a shit ton of blood from what remained of her arms. So much so so that she knew it was unsafe. So at 15, with some natural survival survival skill embedded in her, she used mud from the ground to pack around her severed arms. Yes, yes, yes. She used mud from the ground, packed it on her arms in an attempt to stop. She didn't have a hand to do the other side. Exactly. And it worked. Wow. 
Then she walked up a 30-foot cliff with no arms and 50% of her body's blood supply now gone. It's remarkable. Oh, and she had a head injury and broken ribs, might I add. And she was completely naked. Don't forget she was nude. Oh, gosh, this poor girl. I know. It took her hours of fighting just to make it up to the road. As the freeway got louder, she knew she was getting closer. Finally, after she made it to the road, she had to walk about three more miles before she saw her first car drive by. This had gone on, I want to remind you, through the night. So we're now, I believe, mid-morning, early, I'm sorry, early morning. Now picture this. You're driving on the freeway, going about your day. I'm already picturing it. Right? When out of (laughs) nowhere, you see this image walking along trying to wave you down. You see a naked, bloody, dirty young woman with her arms missing and she's screaming at you for help. God. It's terrifying. I don't think anyone knows what you would do in this position uh-huh. unless you were actually. So you're there. Most people would just probably, right now, would just fly by. I mean, you never know. There was a car that pulled over, a convertible with two men inside. Oh, jeez. They only pulled over for a second, though, before looking at her and speeding away. Because it's a scary image i can imagine i watched an episode of i survived with her in it with her speaking and she talked about this and she herself said that she understands yeah yeah why they sped off she said she looked like according to her something from a fright movie yeah so she you know as much as she pleaded and begged for help she gets now why they did that she didn't blame them at all which is so sad but a testament to who she is as a person At this point, Mary felt like she was going to die because people were too afraid to stop and had just started walking. At this point, she's in the middle of the street, just going, hoping someone would come and help her. Then a couple who were on their honeymoon pulled over and picked her up to take her to safety. They wrapped her in a blanket from their car and immediately drove to the nearest phone to call 911. Mary said that she knew it was an old truck that they were in and she could tell that they were driving like as fast as they physically could. She could just feel how fast they were going to save her. She could feel the speed and was grateful. And all she could say when she reached police was he raped me over and over and over. Once first responders arrived, Mary was sent by helicopter to a hospital. And when she made it to the hospital with all her wounds, she defeated all odds. It was found that her remaining blood in her body had become toxic and she still survived. Well, Joanna. Of the blood and the just, yeah. I mean, not the blood, the mud. While at the hospital, Mary was able to describe her attacker to a T. Good. She described him so perfectly for a composite sketch artist, so much so that his neighbor saw on the news the composite and called the police and was like, um, dude, listen, I know that guy. Could you imagine your neighbor? No. You wake up one morning no. and your neighbor's face, like, dude, I had lunch with him the other day. Yeah. <laughs> Ten days after Mary was brought in, Lawrence Singleton was identified and charged. Yes. Mary was able to pick his picture out of six others in front of a grand jury. And in 1979, he went to court and Mary testified against him. Good. She stood up in front of the court, pointed a prosthetic at him, mm. and said, that's him. Good for her. Mary later said she was so scared being 10 to 15 feet away from Larry in that courtroom, but it didn't stop her. Yeah. During the trial, (laughs) this piece of shit had to say about himself. He's such a piece of garbage. Mm -hmm. Larry says he was drunk that night and only referred to Mary as a $10 whore. Mm -hmm. He was drunk driving. Mm -hmm. He picked her up. Yep. He claimed the two other hitchhikers were also in the van, that that was a lie. He said that he picked them up too. 
He said that he wasn't alone, that there was another man with him named Larry as well, driving. And that the other Larry must have done it. Mm. Yeah, split personality. Not really, but just saying. Um, Insisting, he insisted that he was framed, and this was all lies. Mm. Larry, or later he admitted, eventually, to cutting off her hands to remove the identification of who she was. (gasps) That that's why he did that. After testifying, there was this weird moment when Mary quickly left the courtroom because, you know, they want to get her out of there as fast as they can. It was obvious something had been said to her that made her upset. What happened was that as she was walking out, she had to pass Larry. And in that instant, he said something to her in a voice so quiet only she could hear because she had to walk inches past him. He said, if it's the last thing I do, I will finish the job. Mm -hmm. And this is all true. After this whole ordeal, Mary found it very hard to move on. From some things I have read, she tried to get help from her parents, but it was almost like they didn't know how to help her. Yeah. Well, how do you? She didn't have a very good relationship with them to start with. They they were so estranged, and it was like they almost, like, couldn't handle it. Mm -hmm. You, as a parent, you figure it out. Yeah. It was like they were more worried about their own personal hurt than about helping Mary through her hurt. Like they were, of course they were devastated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she went on and lived a very difficult life for a long time. Now, let's take a minute to talk about what happened to this uber douche, Lawrence Singleton. Larry was convicted of a, let me tell you what he was convicted of. Count him off. Attempted murder. Mm -hmm. Kidnapping. Kidnapping. Rape. Rape. Sodomy. Sodomy. Oral copulation. What's that? When you force your sexual membranes into someone's mouth. Oh, it's this poor girl. Aggravated mayhem. What? Uh huh. And the use of an axe to cause great bodily harm. Seven different charges. Seven different charges. Seven different charges. What kind of sentence should a person get, listeners? I'm. <sighs> okay, so I mean, I feel like each of them is a different degree of mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they all deserve a lot of time, but 15 okay. minimum. I feel like that's a life sentence. Att- oh, not attempted murder. Attempted, no. It's not life. Attempted murder is just murder that you failed at. You didn't yeah. do a good and quote unquote good enough job. But no. I don't think you get life if you don't do it, though. I don't know. I don't know. Let's call it, Let's get our judges on, on the line. <laughs> well, he got the maximum legal sentence of. Let me ask you a different question. Okay. How much time do you think he should get? What oh, he should never do? get out. Exactly, right? Yeah. In your mind. But unfortunately, that's not how the legal system works. See, that's, you're too smart for your own good. I know. You're too smart for me. He got the maximum legal sentence in California at the time, 14 years in prison. Hmm. I feel like they've gotten tougher because I know like people who like... Oh, they have. They, the, someone will have like an ounce of weed and they'll spend three years <laughs> in jail. Well, not anymore, but yeah, you're right. No, I know, but like it's stupid. Like, but then somebody who commits... This? Yeah. 14 years. Yeah. The judge said if he had the power, he would send him to prison for the rest of Good his life. F- mm, yeah. He couldn't, though. That's Why? The, ju- the judge. Is the, it was the maximum legal sentence at the time. Okay. I love when judges, like, clap back. Yeah. <laughs> like, you like when little being, dick yeah. man. <laughs> when they're being disrespectful. Listen, you know what? I was going to let you off. Uh-huh. But, but. Yeah. So the judge said he had to work with what he had. Mm-hmm. And that was the best he could do. Now, here's the biggest bullshit you're going to hear all day, Joanna. Larry only served eight years. Son of a... In 1983, California... 
year I was born. The year of your birth. Where were you? I was being Being born born. in Michigan. Um, California passed a work incentive law to reduce prison overcrowding, where a day was cut off your sentence for each day that the prisoner spent working at the jail. So overcrowding, work, and good behavior equal bullshit for this incredibly violent Mm -hmm. crime. Here's, I feel like I keep telling you things I'm going to say. Here's the biggest bullshit of all. And then the next thing. Here's the biggest, here's the biggest bullshit of Mm -hmm. all. Next, part five. five. When Larry got out of prison, he immediately tried to sue Mary. Sue her? He said he remembered Mary threatening to accuse him of rape and brandished a stick at him, which made him become violent and he had to react that way. And... He filed a complaint suing her for forcible kidnap for the purpose of robbery, like if she wanted to rob him. The courts dismissed it, and that was that. They said, fuck off, dude. She did brandish a stick or something at him because when she woke up from her nap and saw he was going the wrong way, she, like, held something up at him, like, where are you taking me? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So she, but come on. It's all bullshit. Mary, on the other hand, had an extremely, and I did mention this, difficult time after Larry's release from prison. She said she was afraid to stay in one place for too long. Went through a series of bodyguards. She stayed in a deserted gas station bathroom for a while at one point because she was so afraid. She was depressed. She had anxiety. And all of her relationships suffered after this. Oh, she, ev- yeah. I know. She did eventually go on to have two kids. She had two boys. Okay. And she said that, quote, when I became a mother, I really had something to big to live for. Okay. She's just... <sighs> and you know what? When I watched the I Survived of her... The camera and the producers, like the cameraman, were really smart about it because they only showed her, like, chest up. And then when she reveals that she had prosthetics and she, like, goes to hold a tissue or something or, like, wipe something off her face, you see the, like, hooked hand. And it's like, whoa, Uh. shocking. And I thought she had suspenders on the whole time over her shirt because you see, like, little black straps on her shoulders. And it's to hold the prosthetics onto her. You'll have to tell me. I survived it's, on what channel? Uh, I watched it on YouTube. Oh, it's so I just got the chills. Look at it. My hairs are all standing up. All right. Now let's go and talk about when Larry Suck a Dick Singleton got out of prison. <laughs> Larry Small Dick Energy Singleton. Okay. Let's go to him. To make a potentially long story short, nobody wanted him to live in their community. Oh, naturally. Larry's own daughter didn't want him out of prison. She admitted his own daughter, who was the same age as mm-hmm. Mary Vincent, he had attacked and abused her her and her mother growing up, even beating her mom when she was pregnant with their daughter. Her mom was had admitted that she was surprised after beating, being beat while pregnant that her baby even survived. Larry's daughter fled and hid when she heard her dad was getting out of jail. Mm. You really feel for them. She even asked if he could stay in prison prior to his parole, but it happened nonetheless. Mm. Like, she wrote letters to the prison. And I want to read a short version of a longer statement that his daughter said for you. So I'm trying to shorten it up a little bit for you. She said, When I was about 20 years old, with the assistance of a PhD psychology intern, I had written a letter to my father to tell him I was terminating our relationship. I asked California prison personnel what can be done to keep him in longer and was told there was nothing. Mm. They suggested I obtain a restraining order at the time of his release. Sorry, but I mean this quite sarcastically. I told you he was a danger. I said that before the first crime. 
Mm-mm. I changed my name multiple times and moved across state lines. And you all suggest a piece of paper yeah. that will tell him exactly where I am, what my name is, and not to come within, say, 300 feet of me. And that's where I'm going to stop. I think restraining orders are a complete joke. I know. <sighs> you got. Oh, I have this paper. Stay back. I know. Well, you have to do it for documentation purposes no, in some situations. But in this situation, you when you're – it's too much. Like, if they're going to come after you, they don't care. I, know. I feel like he has that mindset like I don't care. I know. I can't imagine the personal torture that she's had to endure over the years. Larry's release date was announced to be approximately April 28th mm-hmm. and everyone in the local area went nuts. Even the mayor protested the Department of Corrections. Like, you no. Know, absolutely not. So was this like a big crime back yes, then? It okay. was huge. Like it made national yes. news. When Larry was paroled, California protested to not allow him to move into their communities. One community after another told the parole officials that they could not relocate him there. Wow. Because of the community backlash, well, because of the community badass civilians Mm -hmm. (laughs) who stood up for themselves, he was forced to live in a mobile home on the grounds of the San Quentin prison until the end of his parole in 1988. Could you imagine being so hated that nobody wants you? That nobody wants you. After his parole, where did Larry Assface Singleton go? Arizona. You're not going to believe it. Florida. Of course. I I guarantee he's a Florida man. This is the worst Florida man. This is where he was originally from, and he still had siblings there at the time. What part of Florida? Uh, Like in the Hillsborough area. Yeah. It wasn't exactly a smooth transition to the Sunshine State. So cheesy. He had to register as a convicted felon, and the people of Tampa went on to lead their own protests against him. I mean, it's bad. So Larry eventually moved into his brother's home. The community was so upset that they began to vandalize the home. And one instance, a firebomb was thrown into the yard. Protesters would show up at court appearances he had because he was still committing small crimes, like really? shoplifting. And he was forced to move again. So now let's jump to 1990, 1991. Dang. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like it's still like, I mean, the 90s was so long ago, but it still but doesn't, to us, feel, it doesn't long feel that ago. I know. Larry would now refer to himself in court for a little for the little crimes as a muddle-headed old man. Over time, Larry found a true home in Orient Park in Tampa. The neighbors were scared of him at first, but mm. They eventually grew to love him. Ew, what is that, Stockholm Syndrome? I know, right? They said he cooked steaks, he spoke to them daily, he kept up with his property, he would offer to make small repairs on neighbors' homes. He was just the neighbor we all dream of. He was so warm and sweet, he was able to convince his new community over time that he was framed and an innocent man with a bad rap. Larry lived alone with his dog and his siblings would often visit like a normal Does that not make you look around your neighborhood at your neighbors? There came a night eventually where he had apparently had enough and he wanted to take his own life. In his driveway, he was found breathing in his vehicle's exhaust through a dryer hose he attached to the tailpipe. Mm. His neighbors found him, called 911, saved his life, right? After this attempt and after he was sent home and safe in the comfort of his own home, a time later, he committed another unthinkable act. Oh, jeez. This disgusting Larry lick a lot of knives singleton. Are you making? This? I am. Showed his true colors because he's a piece of shit. Yeah. At 6 p.m. on a Wednesday night, February 97, Hillsborough County sheriffs said a man who had done renovation work for Larry 
dropped by the house and could hear commotion. This dude peered through a window and saw Larry, butt naked, through the window, choking and punching a woman and stabbing her repeatedly. She was nude, on the couch, and screaming for help. Meanwhile, Larry was described as maniacal. The sheriff who answered the 911 call said Larry answered the door completely covered in blood. The woman he was found attacking was named Roxanne Hayes. She was a 31-year-old mother of three that for whatever reason, her life had brought her to have to work as a sex worker. Mm. Whatever brought her to this type of work and whatever brought her to his home at this particular night doesn't matter. She's still human. Yeah. She still deserves respect and to be treated with the same justice that any person would. Well, this, Joanna, was the nail in the coffin for Larry because you know what Florida has. Florida Mm -hmm. has the death penalty. penalty. During the trial for Roxanne, Mary Vincent flew down to Florida to speak. Good for her. Right? So Roxanne died. Yes, he killed her. I know. She left her three kids behind. Um, Mary Vincent herself flew down for the trial to testify, and she didn't stop for a second when asked to identify Larry Limpdick Singleton. I should have kept record of all the different (laughs) nicknames you gave him. I have to because he's such a piece of shit. It only took the jury one hour to deliberate and find his ass guilty. Good. And he was sentenced to death. Well, guess what, Joanna? Hmm. He never made it to his death sentence. Did he kill himself or someone kill him? Karma had another plan for him, and he died in 2001 of cancer. Oh. Yep. Okay. Do you know what kind? Nope. Natural cancer. Or, Mm. sorry, not natural (laughs) cancer. Good Lord. Uh, Natural, what's the word? Natural karma. Okay. Well, what is that called? What is that called? Natural consequences. Natural consequences. And the neighbor, remember I told you that he tried taking his life in his garage? Yeah. And he was saved by his neighbors. The neighbor that previously saved him came out to say if he had known what would happen, that they would have given saving him a second thought. Well, I mean, I feel like that, that, that could have been anything. I know. Like, oh, I wouldn't have helped him if I knew he was a terrible person. Exactly, right? Now back to Mary. She said, she has said that she continued to have nightmares and can never really forget about what happened to her. Mm-hmm. However, she went on, like I said, to have two children who she admires greatly. She became an artist over having said that she couldn't even draw a straight line before and now she's an artist. Good for her. She even makes her own prosthetics to work with what she wants to do, like I said mm-hmm. different types of like hooks instead of hands. Mary said she was initially a victim and now she's an artist. She's a survivor. She is a survivor. I don't know why. <laughs> I said it weird. She is. Mary went on to start the Mary Vincent Foundation to advocate for teenage victims of sexual assault. She's just, she's awesome. She says, I've never indulged myself in anger and hate. I wouldn't be here if I had. And one more quote from her. I'm glad I was given another chance at life. I'm a survivor. I survived. Because what if she didn't survive? Like, what do you think he would have done? That's the thing that we don't have to wonder Mm -hmm. because of her. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, we do because he got out of prison and did a a horrible thing again. And I I think about when I was looking into this story, how many crimes did he commit that we don't know about? Yeah. So Mary now lives her life quite privately and I couldn't. I respect her so mm-hmm. I couldn't respect her more she survived more than I think I ever could and she's an inspiration she's a hero and Mary we salute you Yeah. and that's all I have for you and I'm going to link some articles for you guys to check out if you'd like to look into her story more they were my sources along with a couple documentaries I saw of her speaking herself and what I saw on YouTube that one was tough it was. it's hard but knowing that she survived and that's why I revealed it so early kind of makes you feel like okay yeah okay you got it I can over do this. That, that, there was a couple of parts where I was just like mm. all right this is our first January episode 
Yeah. Happy we hope. New Year's. Happy New Year. No. You know what drives me nuts? Happy New Year's. I just said it. Versus Happy New Year. I said Happy New Year's, and as soon as I but said why it. why does everyone say that? I don't know. It's like when people add S's to the end of grocery store. It's like my, like, I'm going to go to Aldi's. It's Aldi. <laughs> I'm going to go to Aldi. Okay. Let's lighten the mood. You want to end? Count? Yes. Oh, when are you going to end? We're going to end on a lighter note. Oh, 5, 10, 15, 18. 18? Yeah. You may edit out some of it, but the total was 18 post pre-edit. Pre-edit. I like how you say that. Do you think about that mm-hmm. when, I, when you're listening back after I've edited? Mm-hmm. Well, and you know what's funny is that when I'm listening to our podcast, there's some things I'm like, oh, man, that was pretty obvious. I should have gotten it right. Yeah. So I was really trying to pay attention, and there was, I think, a question I asked you, mm-hmm. and you said something. I was like, oh, I feel like it's real. Because I know you can't give out too many details, because yeah. if you give out too many details, and you're going to know. Yeah. Let's lighten it up. Kay. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. What's your love language? Oh, um, acts of service. Really? Yeah. I didn't realize that. Like when, when, especially like around the house, like if I need help with something or something just gets done without me asking, it's like, oh, thank you. Huh. What's yours? I don't know. I'm going to read the book. Okay. You can just take the test. No, I've done it before and it tells you different things, but all right, I do kind of know. I'm like a mixture of things, which is probably not going to surprise you. I don't, acts of service. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. I feel like the people I'm closest to are always acts of service. Well, or I mean, even just like little, like... Even if, like, you're like, oh, I brought you a coffee. Like, mm-hmm. I know that's not an act of stuff. That's, like, a gift type thing. So, yeah. like, it's kind of like both. Okay. Like, I feel like they go hand in hand. Mine would be from the last time, and I haven't read the book, but from the last time I kind of did the test and everything, it was a mixture of quality time mm-hmm. and gifts. And it makes me feel kind of superficial. But when you really look into it, mm-hmm. when they say gifts, it doesn't mean, like, you know, a gold necklace or yeah. whatever. It means, like, like you said, a coffee. It's that you thought of me yep. enough that you were out at whatever the store and you thought, oh, Carmen would really like this. Mm-hmm. Even if it's like one time Brett bought me this like tiny little cutting board for cutting limes for my vodka sodas. He's like, well, I knew that you liked it. So yeah, here you go. You know, mine like, is stuff like that. the last on my list. What? The touching one. Physical touch? Physical touch. I saw a TikTok <laughs> where it, and it said like, your when your active when your love language is this, but your husband's is physical touch, oh and the look, and every all the comments were like yes, like just especially when they move their thumb, <laughs> like stop touching me, like rub on you. Yes, like if I'm sleeping, you could put your hand on me. Uh-huh. But the second I feel you moving, I'm like get it off. So if I, we have to share bed, do not for touch your fortieth birthday, do that's coming touch. up soon, and we're gonna partay. Partay <sighs> meaning in bed by nine. <laughs> Are we going to sleep butt to butt? Yes, please. All right. But touching or no touching? <laughs> you can find us on Instagram. Where, Joanna? At Live, Laugh, Murder Podcast. Gmail. Live, Laugh, Murder Pod at gmail.com. There you go. Slide in. Send us your well wishes for Joanna or your advice because I feel like she needs it. Turning for 40. Turning 40. Let's flood her. On that note, remember to live, laugh, laugh. And never be like Larry, fuck your existence, singleton, murder. 19. Live, laugh, but never murder. No. That's how it goes. Peace. Bye. Let's go be moms.